Welcome to Leverage Masters, airing weekly on Tuesdays at 12 Eastern and on demand on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Leverage Masters hosts Jack Humphrey and Gina Gaudio-Graves discuss leverage strategy with guest leveragists. Be sure to subscribe to Leverage Masters in your favorite podcatcher for great tips and case studies on using leverage to achieve your biggest goals much faster. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Leverage Masters. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Graves, the co-founder of TheLeveragist.com and Divizio.com, the all-new affiliate network for businesses doing good. We have a fantastic show lined up for you guys. We have my co-host and all-around partner in crime, Jack Humphrey. Hello, Jack. Hello. How was Miami? Uh, chaotic. I was there helping a client do financing at a Marco Rubel event. Marco is an expert in real estate investing. He had nearly 400 people at this event, Jack. Unbelievable. <laughs> Sounds like fun. Did Popeye have fun? That's all I really care about. Popeye was the hit of the party. Before Popeye and I even <laughs> Tell everybody who Popeye in. is. Well, Popeye is my long-haired chihuahua. And before we even got there, apparently Marco announced from stage that one of the people coming to help them with financing and getting money for their business was going to be bringing her service dog with her, that the service dog's name was Popeye, and Popeye's favorite thing in the world is being petted. So if they see Popeye, make sure they go over and pet him. So Popeye and I get there, and we're there on the second day of the event, not the first day. We walk in, we go into the hotel front desk to check into our room, and somebody walks up to me and says, excuse me, is this Popeye? Yeah, I'm looking at the person like, how the heck do you know that Popeye is here? And they say, can I pet him? Okay. So, okay, the person pets Popeye, get checked in. Before I even get to the fifth floor to get to my room, at least six or seven people have stopped asking if this is Popeye and asking if they can pet him. And the seventh time it happened as I was getting out of the elevator. And I said, okay, look. I've got to ask, how do all these people know that Popeye's here? And the lady says, well, I'm so sorry. Marco didn't tell us what your name was, but he told all of us to make sure we stopped and petted Popeye. And that's how the whole weekend went. Bruce was actually angry at one point because he was being interrupted in doing his consult so often by people looking for Gina and Popeye. Like, every two minutes, <laughs> all weekend. It was nice to walk in as a celebrity, isn't it? It really is. I suppose we'd have to ask Popeye that. Nobody even knew your name. <laughs> Let's put it this way. We probably doubled the amount of business we were going to do this weekend because of Popeye. Everybody coming over to talk to me because they wanted to pet Popeye ask questions about financing that they wouldn't have otherwise asked. And because of Popeye, 
more than double the number of people signed up for financing. So, you know, leverage. That's what it's all about, guys. Go get yourself a long-haired chihuahua like Popeye. (laughs) I hear golden retrievers do pretty well, too, so... (laughs) There you go. Well, I suppose we shouldn't keep everyone waiting any longer. We have today Kevin Hun, who's been called the hockeyologist with a passion for the game of hockey spanning more than 40 years, recently dubbed Canada's number one reinventing midlife dreams coach. He's an award-winning expert, certified coach, and author of two books as well as the creator of the Total Branding Blueprint. Kevin's strategies have transformed hundreds of businesses in Canada and the U.S., He's demystified the so-called only ways to realize success, featured on national, regional, and local news, making it to pro hockey and providing new perspectives on building a brand. He's discovered the secret to long-term success. Kevin, welcome to Leverage Masters. Hey, Jack. Gina, thanks for having me on. Hey, Kevin. We'll start you out this – uh-oh, go ahead. No, I just said, hey, Kevin, go ahead. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I thought you were just like, Somebody hey, go. Kevin. Let's do this. Hey, Kevin. <laughs> so, yeah, well, uh, we'll start you out like we do everybody. We want to know, of all of our guests, right off the bat, we know your bio. We heard a little bit about that. We're going to learn a lot more about what you're into and everything. But what is the one thing right now that burns in your belly that gets you out of bed every day? Um, just helping people. Uh, it's a simple statement and used probably by a million or plus people who are in the helping of other, you know, of others in the self-help or professional or business development or coaching or teaching training. It's about turning the light on for someone else. Um, I was watching a movie on the weekend, which was absolutely, it's almost like, I think everybody needs to watch this. It was called Woodlawn. It was all about, um, high school football, uh, and uh, this player, Tony Nathan, who um, ended up going to play for Alabama. And the story was all about how very strong in terms of how um, this one guy, Hank, brought in a spiritual uh, God and Jesus into this community where it was like in the 70s, where it was all about you know racism and, and people fighting and stuff. And they were all like, oh, what do you know? What do you know? But he was like, you know, we all have this one power. And it was there was this one scene, and this one scene is the thing that got me. It was the spiritual thing. I don't care what what religious you are, or whatever. That doesn't matter. But it was this one scene where the lights went out in the stadium, and they just lit a candle. And I was years ago. I would heard this, and I thought that's that's what I am. Like I've been, my candle's been lit, and my job in life is to just go out and light others who have their candle that may have been burnt out. And or just never lit. And it's just my job to just go out there and light them. So what do I get up in the morning? Who can I help today? Who can I serve? What can I do? It's it's sometimes it's the weirdest feeling. It's just like, hmm, I need to do this and it's like inspired words that come into my head, just go go do this. Whether it's a Facebook message, whether it's a phone call, whether it's a meeting, do it's it's weird. Can't explain it, but I just keep doing it and my life just keeps getting better. <laughs> that is so awesome. I like that imagery. I'm going to have to check that movie out uh, now because that sounds really cool. Yeah, so well, so in, in particular, how is it that you help people? Uh, what are you doing right now? What are your programs? Do you do personal one-on-one coaching, group coaching, consulting? How does your system work? Um, 
and give us a little bit of an insight on as to how it is that you help people. Great question. I need about an hour. No, no, just kidding. <laughs> um, we got uh, an hour. We're all, we almost had an we hour. The Popeye story cut into your time a little bit, but my God, he's a little cute dog. We have to talk about him. Well, it's, actually it's all yours because <laughs> well, this is this is cool. The the perfect thing is, um, and this is Gina may get this because she's already living it, but Popeye is part should become part of her brand. Right, just and so one of the things I do is I teach businesses how to reinvent their brand. A lot of companies out there who are have plateaued or they're starting to decline, they don't know what's doing. And the one thing I've taught almost eight years now is number one thing that's killing your business. And people just don't realize the importance and the value in this, and it's all about branding. And there's a definition that I have come across that really is powerful. But most people just think kind of branding as logo, slogan, um, you know, just like these taglines and stuff. But it's not that. It, it really stems from there's a gap with how do people feel to how you want them to feel. And that, closing that gap, that is branding. And it's an ongoing process over and over and over. And, I, and here's the saying. When you're branding, you're branding. And when you're not branding, you're still branding. And, and <laughs> when you get that, when you get that concept, you go, "Oh my God! Like, here's what's happening." We know people say, "Oh, I don't have time to do that right now." You know, like I haven't got a budget for it, or whatever. Here's the thing: you're sending out a message. And the best part about what I do, and and I just do this on a daily basis without even thinking about it, because it's now just part of me from every day. Is you know, when you're not branding, your branding is is based on this foundation. How do you want people to feel when they think about your business? So if you have any business in mind that you use, and I'll call it an insurance company, a gas company, a grocery store, whatever, you know, and you think about them for a second, you know, what comes to mind? And what will happen is there will be a feeling that comes in you. You'll either be, you know, warm and fuzzy and go, oh, I really like that company, or it's going to be kind of cold and well, whatever, I can't be bothered, or neutral which is just nothing. But we are always feeling as human beings. And when companies own, business owners get this and understand that their job is to determine how they want people to feel, their, their business turns around. Now watch this. Every person that is in the marketplace plays a role to a company. So it could be a customer, it could be a supplier, it could be an employee, it could be the community, it could be uh, the competition, it could be the media, uh, could be a shareholder, could be you know partner, and obviously yourself as as also in a relationship. There's nine categories, and if you're constantly focusing on all relationships in your business, you will always say, "How do I want them to feel?" And your work, your effort, your ethics, your your values, everything you do on a daily basis in your business will stem from that focus of saying, how do I want them to feel? How do I want those groups of people to feel? You probably don't want your employees feeling the same way as your customer, or you don't want your supplier feeling the same way as maybe the media. So you've got different feelings that you want them to experience. And your job is to determine you know, how you want them to feel, and then go give them things that will help them feel that way. And that one, you know, to your answer to your question, I know it's a long answer, but the one piece is I help businesses in that find the long-term success. And it's all about my branding. And I have a program called the Brand Mastery Intensive Program that runs between 90 days and 180 days, depending on how in-depth you want to go. But the reality is, once you get it and you see that branding's key, so let's, let's use Popeye with Gina, for example, right? So she brings, she goes, oh, my God, we doubled business and we, and we had the dog on there. Well, 
if you had, if you're going to do anything, you make sure that Popeye gets mentioned. You share it. You're you're driving the 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 business, leveraging the dog. Why? Because people will resonate with that and feel good about it. You, you you're not doing it to intrude. You're not doing it to make them feel crappy. If somebody's not a dog lover, then maybe they're not your kind of client. So it goes back to you know who's your ideal client. Well, once you identify your ideal client, then you say, okay, how do I want them to feel? Well, if you want them to feel great. And Popeye becomes this tool, this resource, this commodity, this piece that becomes part of your messaging in there. You could even don't even have to have pictures. You could use it just in your emails. You could do it on your little postings. You know, if you did Facebook or you did Twitter or any kind of social media, you could just go, "Hey, Popeye says," right? You know, I mean, you come with all <laughs> kinds of different fun things, right? But here's what happens: the minute people hear the word Popeye, they become anchored to that word, and now they, it drives a certain emotion in them. And now, as a business owner, you're going, hey, what do I want? How do I want my clients to feel? You're not trying to manipulate. You're trying to give them what's going to help them become better in their life or their business, especially if you're B2B. How do you want my customer? You know, if your customer is another business, how do you want it to feel? Do you want them to feel, hey, you know what? I got value. You know, you brought me good service. You, you helped my business grow. You, you, know, you gave commitment. You're, you're on time. You're reliable. You're an expert. You're a trusted advisor. I mean, there's a list as a business owner, you want to say, these are the kind of things that I want to be able to drive home in the marketplace. Yeah. Oh, man, you set a mouthful here. I'm going to try to back up and think <laughs> of all, all the questions that you brought up that I can think of or remember from all of that. But uh, it's about substance. It's about giving somebody something to bite into in a world where a lot of people, including myself, and maybe everybody at some time is in danger of this just because of the busy work the busyness of business and the you know the, the immediate right in front of you focus on a daily basis can has has led me to forget about brand has for led me to forget about the experience that I want people to have instead of just getting more business or making them aware of the uh, you know features or benefits of something instead of you know uh, showing them my dog <laughs> and, and, and my life and the things that I would like to, that I'm known for among my friends and people who know me in that way, but not, not in my business. And I, I wonder, is that something that you find is really prevalent is a lot of times when people, maybe they know what their branding is or should be, or they would like it to be, but they just get mired down in that daily grind of running a business and they forget that it should be, the way that they interact with everyone in the context of that brand at all times, right? Oh, absolutely. Jack, actually, one of the, that's a really cool point you bring up because what I find that people have is a disconnect with, I'll call it, everyday tasks that they believe that need to be done, their to-do list, and their overall mm-hmm. grand, grandiose vision of what their business is or, or what they want it to be or where they experience it to be. And so what happens is if there's a disconnect, they can't when I talk branding, they just look at me like I'm like I'm a screwball, like what's he talking about, right? I gotta go I gotta go to the bank or <laughs> I, I gotta got do stuff my to do. I got a warehouse to clean out today or exactly. you know, they're probably thinking, exactly. Why are you talking to me about this thing? That's right. And you know, so what happens is the minute we start understanding that every business in the entire world at don't care what they sell has a touch point with another human being in some capacity. So if you're a business, and let's use a restaurant because it's got multiple points, which is really cool. Restaurants got, you know, they got customers, they got suppliers, they got employees, potentially a partner, they've got the community, 
they've probably got media. Um, you know, they've got, if they become a public type restaurant, then they got shareholders, right? So you got all these relationships. Now, here's the thing. Do you, do you, would you not love, and this, you're, as a business owner, put your hat on, Gina, you and Jack, put your hat on for a second. Would you not love to have all your suppliers saying this about you? Oh, my God, they're our client. I handle them. That, like, I love them. They're like the best thing. They, uh, they pay on time. They're on, they, they give. They, you know, they, they do strategy sessions with us. They think about us. They give us things. They talk about us all the time. They always pay on time. Like, if you had suppliers walking around talking about you, you and saying, you're my ideal client. Do you know what that would do for your business? They'd be telling every. They'd become your best salesperson. Imagine that a supplier becoming yeah. your best sales rep, right? Like what? Like people go, what? I don't get that. This is what happens when you understand branding and saying, oh, I'm about to determine how I want my suppliers to feel. Well, if I want them to feel good, guess what it entails? I got to make sure I pay on time. I'm going to make sure when I negotiate, I'm not out to beat them up. I'm out to make sure that they succeed and I succeed. You know, if they delivered a faster product to me at a better quality, at a really competitive price, would that not help my business? Yeah. How can I help them do that? How can I help them? Because if I give them more information, I say, look, this is what I need to make my business grow. This is what I need to make my business effective. Can you help me do this? Man, they're going to go, hey, they understand you as a strategic partner now. Not as, ah, they're just trying to nickel and dime me, or they just look at us as a commodity. Let me tell you something. I don't think anybody who who is a supplier to another business wants to be looked at as a commodity. It doesn't feel good. They want to stand out. They want to be recognized as a a, a true partner and saying, look, we are here to help your, your business. And that is a mindset that stems right from how do I want my clients and suppliers to feel? If I want them to feel a certain way, then I've got to act a certain way, which now drives every task I do in my business. You know, it, it's, it's really a different way of looking at the way we interact with each other. And we'll stay on the supplier thing because that's a really good yeah. example. It's something we very rarely ever hear anybody discussing. Um, in fact, I've never really – I don't think I've had this discussion before. This is, But it, it really opens up something that is is kind of been bugging me lately. So I guess that's why I manifested you on the show today so we could talk about this. And what's been bugging there me lately go. is that we have this adversarial re- relationship with everybody in our lives. When it comes to uh, my, my company, Brick Road Media, we do some – SEO and, and social media stuff and everything, and we get local clients, small brick and mortars, and we get larger clients. And in the negotiating process of providing each other with a win-win, which it really doesn't get couched in that context, I mean, I would like it to be. But we have this adversarial, uh-oh, these guys are now going to come with a proposal, and I have to, I have to find the lowest that I could possibly pay. And I don't feel like on the other end of that is a person who cares about the job that's going to get done and the number of hours and everything else and, you know, providing the service as much as sometimes, lots of times, almost all the time, they're concerned about price and keeping their costs down at all costs above all else. And, and then I started going, man, I, that really bums me out. Uh, it's been like that forever. 
there's really, you know, sometimes I just throw my hands up. There's nothing we can do about that. I have done some things in, t in the context of brand and, 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 you know, the ideas that, you know, you get what you pay for and those kinds of nice, subtle nudges to remind people that not everything in your life is going to come out really great if all you ever do is seek the very, very lowest bidder on everything. So, and in a nice way, not in, you know, that blunt of a way. And then I started thinking, right. after one of these interactions, we are very adversarial. In the, and what you just described is a co-creation kind of way with the supplier and the business and how can I, you know, if you make me a winner, if you can work with me and help me, I'm going to stay, you know, using you. You're going to be my supplier forever. And that's right. worth a lot of money to you. That's worth a huge amount than having to go out and find new people all the time because you don't have that kind of relationship with your with your clients. And I wonder, right. from your experience, what what is it that would – because you can't change other people. So what, as you – as a business owner, what can you do to engender that sort of a – the relationship that you talk about so eloquently? I would like more of that in my business, and I bet a lot of other people would too. <laughs> All right, so the first is, write this down. It's critical. So how do I want people to feel when they think about my business? That's the number one question that any business owner can ask and should do. That should be their job as a business owner. And so if you're a solopreneur and you're flying you know, by yourself and trying to do things, well, then you're the, you know, you're the employee and you're, you know, you've got to start working with the supplier, and you're going to work with the customer, and you're going to you know, start working in the community, and you're going to talk to comp competition, and you're going to talk to the media. So you're going to do all these roles and responsibilities. Then you've got to make sure that you're thinking with a different hat because you're not going to treat your customer the way you probably treat the media, and you're probably not going to treat a supplier the way you might treat your competition. But it doesn't mean that you have to be, as you were saying, adversarial on anything because that doesn't go anywhere. You know, the, um, it's funny, but we, we, we step away, and I see, saw this in hockey for years and years and years. People are of great education, and not just schooling education, institutional, but like from the street, whatever, just good education, smart people, good, you know, mm -hmm. good family, good community. They walk into the arena, and they leave their brain at the door, and they become these monsters. And you go, what yeah. happened? Like, who are these people? Well, business is no different. And, the, you know, one of the great teachers, like, I don't know about you, but I have huge list of mentors, people that have really guided me, taught me, trained me. There was a guy that wrote this book called Mr. Schmooze, and I thought it was great. And he says, every business relationship you have, well, how do, what do you have to do to make it a friendship? Because when it becomes a friendship, like Jack, if you and I and Gina, the three of us, now we become friends. Now we've talked. We're, you know, we're in each other's inner circle. We talk. We help each other and stuff. We now actually care about each other's success to make sure things go, whether it's just listening, whether it's actually getting involved with time, money, effort, or whether it's just being able to make doors and you know, open doors and stuff. And so it's like, wow, we, I, I want friendships in my business. And, you know, they say, oh, money and, you know, business and friendship doesn't mix. I'm going, really? There's a lot of people I've come in contact with. Uh, my wife, my daughter, and I just came back from a one-year trip across Canada. And, yes, one-year trip. And we met a ton of people. And I started seeing that friends and friendships and business can go hand in hand. It's not that they don't go hand in hand. And when businesses fail, it's because you've stopped working the relationships. It's just like any cared-for relationship. When you start, stop investing in the relationship, it dies. It fades. 
You're either living or you're yeah. dying. I love that saying, right, by people. And it's true. There is no, okay, I got it to a certain level, now I don't have to worry about it anymore. No. Do you ever go to the gym and then say, yeah, no, I don't need to go anymore. I've I've worked out now. I'm good. No, I don't have to work out. Oh, I've eaten? Yeah, yeah. I don't need to eat anymore. No, I've eaten. No, you're constantly, this is an ongoing process. And so in business, it's the same thing. So how do you bring in, to back to your question, how do you bring in some of this, I'll call it euphoric kind of mindset, and that is look at every touch point in your business with human beings as how do I build this relationship? You know, it, there's going to be a day one, right? You, you're going to date for the first time, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, what do you do? What do you like? What do I like? Hey, let's see if there's a fit. It doesn't mean that you, you're going to be married for the rest of your life with this person, but for the time being, hey, let's make it a good relationship. Let's be upfront and open. And if listen, if you're getting screwed, and so here's the thing. You said, or, you know, you can't really control other people. When I was coaching hockey, I used to say to the players all the time, only focus on what you can control. You cannot focus on how somebody else feels. You cannot fo- you cannot you can't go, "Oh, I'm worried about how they feel." When I talk about branding and I say, "You know, how do you want people to feel?" Well, it's through your work and your effort. In other words, everything is in your control, not their emotion feeling. But if I yell and scream at you, uh, there's probably a good chance your feelings are not going to be all warm and fuzzy. I want to hang out with Kevin. But if you, you know, if yeah. I speak to you with respect and I show you that I'm I'm on time and I'm there's an integrity and what I say happens and you know we give value and I over deliver, there's a good chance your feeling is going to be, wow, this is pretty cool. And if it's not great for me, I think it might be good for someone else. So there's an interest in what I'm doing. So the mind shift, and man, I can't, like, it has, like, I've awoken up even to these words in the last couple of years, and that is, you know, the mind shift, that's when things start happening, when you really, really start going, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Like, ask those questions, like, oh, here, I'm a taskmaster, man, here's my to-do list, I just got to get that done. Okay, why? Why? Just to get the list done so you can feel good that you did the list, or to actually hit your outcome, which is actually fulfilling which you thought of days, weeks, early, you know, months earlier. So now you go, yeah. oh, why am I doing this? What, you know, what am I trying to do? Which goes back to, how do I want people to feel? And I gotta just control and focus on what I can control. Like I, I cannot control how Jack feels. I really can't. But what I can do with Jack is be the best I can be in front of him at any moment in time. Does that make sense? What I love about what I love about doing this is awesome. What I love about doing this show is it's. I mean, sometimes I forget that there's listeners that we're supposed to be serving because I get to talk to people like you, and I sometimes forget people are even listening in because I feel like you're just talking to me. (laughs) And I forgot. We're on a show. So that's what's really wonderful about it because we are generally – I mean, from birth and the way human beings are designed, we're supposed to be very susceptible to patterns and to – Things that are really illusory, like uh, colors and things like that, and how our eyes actually define the world around us, and how it actually, you know, only looks that way because of exactly the way our eyes are and the way that our brain believes that something is red or round or upside down or a dog or a cat. So we're really susceptible to falling into patterns, and I really love pattern interruptions for that reason. I love that when people come on the show like you, you, you're like a weekly pattern interruption. Everybody's doing their daily grind, and we are just susceptible. That's exactly.
exactly how human beings are built to be. We get in a grind, we get in a trance, we get in a thing, and, and it's what, you know, gets bridges built and big buildings done and big jobs done in its right place, but you need pattern interruptions. <laughs> like, you need to remember that you're here for a reason, that you, you know, you're not going to, you never thought you were going to be fulfilled doing the grunge work of the business as much as helping people and the reason that you probably started the business in the first place. Pattern interruptions mm-hmm. help people get to back to what it was that they started to care in the first place about, why they started the business in the first place. So I'm going to throw a pattern but interruption in here. In, in light of what you said uh, about people and friendliness and, and, and knowing more about them, one of the things we didn't do at the top of this is ask you more about two really weird things that, you, that, that are not common. We haven't had a hockey star on the show before, and, well, this, was, this came later, you, you mentioned something about going across Canada for a whole freaking year. I think you need to start yeah. with hockey and then explain that Canada trip as well so we can get to know you better. Sure. Um, so at five years old, I told my dad I was going to pro hockey, and being a Canadian, that was kind of the thing to do back in the you know early 70s. You guys were all um, pro hockey players in Canada, right? <laughs> no, I wasn't good enough. You were born with a hockey stick? <laughs> oh, you, you born, yeah, we're born with a stick. We come out, the skates are on, you know, we cut our way out. Um, and so I just, I was, you know, hockey was my, my thing. I just got into it, loved it. And I really wasn't very good as a player. Um, 18 years old, I tried out for um, the junior Canadians, which at the time and today is uh, major junior hockey where the NHL come draft a lot of their players from. And so I'm trying out, and I was just bad. Like, I mean, I just got cut. It was like, it wasn't anything less than, okay, not worthy. Um, and I was devastated because my whole, like, you know, growing up through teenagerhood, yeah, like pro hockey, I mean, that was just the way it was going to be. It had to happen. It didn't happen. I was like, oh, my God, my life is over. What am I going to do? And I, I was devastated. And I had this teacher in high school said, well, listen, you know, uh, why don't you come coach? And I went, coach? That's for, like, old guys. What do you mean? I was thinking, what are you talking about, right? So after a couple of conversations, I said, fine. I put on the gear and just kind of went on the ice as a coach. And I had this young player, and I was within God, my first couple of practices. Um, I told him to do something, try something. He did it. And he goes, oh, and the light went on. And it was, that was the spark for me. And I went, that's your calling. And it was like a wake-up call because all growing up, all it was, my whole life was about how do I help people feel better? That's just like since I was like a young kid. My mom used to say to me, that's yeah. what you do, to put a smile on people's face. And I don't even know why or where it came from. It was just about how do I help people feel better, even if it was just a smile for 10 seconds. It was like, you know, how do I help people feel better? So coaching was like, oh, my God, I just turned the light on for that kid. This is awesome. Now the, the dream was back on. It was like, all right, here we go. And I just started like, okay, what do I need to get to pro hockey and started looking into it and thinking of all different crazy things. Um, and I had the opportunity, those who follow hockey, uh, Scotty Bowman is, uh, to me, like the, the top coach of all time in hockey. And he called me up. I was 22. And he called me up and he said, um, listen, I hear you want to coach. Why don't you come to Buffalo and work uh, training camp with us, uh, with the Sabres, which is an NHL hockey team, which is the highest level of hockey in the world. And I'm like, oh, my God. And so I flew to Buffalo when I was 22, and I realized how much I didn't know about the game. I was like, oh, my God, I have so much to learn. And uh, just kept going down the journey of becoming a student instead of just trying to be the teacher. And I realized by just wanting to learn and expand and grow, it got better. Now, 
throughout time, uh, at 2007, so this is now like 37 years after saying, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go to pro hockey, um, I got a letter from the Central Hockey League that said, we want to hire you as a director of business development for the league. So I was like, oh, my God, I finally, I've I've made it to pro hockey. What I hadn't done all these years was chasing the dream of hockey. I had to put food on the table, so I would go get jobs. And I had all this experience in business through consulting and coaching and just working for Fortune 500 companies. But it was just like, yeah, it's another job, whatever, because my real thing is hockey. My real thing is hockey. That's just what was Mm -hmm. was like everything else was like, ah, it's a job, right? And got this uh, letter, and it was a director of business development. I went, oh, my God, all this experience I had gained over the years is now has <laughs> got value. So not just my hockey knowledge, but my business knowledge. Put the two together and helped the Central Hockey League for uh, four years and uh, sat on the board of the National Hockey League with the program called Hockey is for Everyone Today. And at the time was diversity and got into some strategic conversations, got to speak, um, funny enough, in Buffalo at an event that they had for the for the kids, underprivileged kids playing the game. And it was just like pinch me, like, oh, my God, look what has happened in my life. But it's when I was there that I went, is this all there is? Like, is, is it was like, oh, my God, I, I, I feel something's missing inside. It was like I've been chasing his dream and like, oh, my God, love the game. The game has been so good to me, so many different people I've met and stuff. But it was like, what was missing? And I went, yeah, the thing is, what I didn't pay attention to is what I'd been doing on this journey, which was helping people along the way while I was chasing my dream. And that's what my mission is, is to help people right off the top of the show. It's to help people. And when I went on the trip with my wife and daughter, that was the wake-up. It was like, what am I doing? Like, what's my life all about? Uh, Met some amazing people coast-to-coast. Um, we lived in Arizona for a year and a half while I was in pro hockey and thought, you know, the U.S. is great, but we were very Canadian. I mean, it was as silly as this is going to sound. We, it was like I had to come back home. I was like, I need, I miss the, the Canadian mindset or just, I don't know, the, the way we lived and stuff. And um, I was like, okay, let's go home. And we traveled across this country, and it was funny because we met people from all over the world. And there was something about just the Canadian attitude, mindset, I don't know, lifestyle, whatever you want to call it, that we just said, oh, it's so here. And I thought, you know, one of the greatest things in the U.S. that we experienced was pride in the red, white, and blue. You know, a proud American. Yeah, there's all kinds of crap going on. We see political fronts and all this kind of stuff. But really, when it comes down to American, and I've grown up watching, the Americans are very proud, especially in sports. They're very proud about being the red, white, and blue. And I thought, you know, where is this patriotism in Canada? And I thought, if I need to stand up, I'm going to say that, hey, I'm Canadian, I'm standing up, I'm going to be at the forefront and go, we're doing some really cool things in this country. Let's be proud of what we're doing in our own little country. So that all tied in with how can we, how can I help business owners or people individually? And so being 53, <laughs> um, I'm like, you know what? There's people between 45 and 55 that are stuck. They're unclear. They don't know what to want to do in life. So I wrote a book called How to Reinvent Midlife Dreams. Because you get to this point where you go, oh, my God, is this all there is? Is this what my life Oh, yeah. no, I didn't think it was going to be like this at 20, right? And I thought, wow, like, okay, i got to help people that are in that age bracket. You know, I'm in it. I understand it. I see what it's like. Let me help these people. And then at the same time, it was like, hey, how do I help reinvent brands for business owners? Because I understand that part, which we talked about a little bit earlier. And I thought, oh, this is perfect. So the two tied hand in hand. Um, where it was like reinventing brands, reinventing midlife dreams. 
And I thought, and, and being in Canada, I, I get it because we have different tax laws. We have different banking and different things that work and nuances here in Canada. And the U.S., there's some amazing people that have become my mentors, great teachers, instructors. And as experts, there are some things they don't know how things work in Canada. And I thought, so why don't I just stand up and be the Canadian version of what some of the U.S. guys have done or girls have done? And so that's what started happening really since last year. And it's just been slowly, slowly just building. And I'm enjoying meeting some amazing, amazing people. I mean, you know, we haven't met physically, but, you know, talking to you on the phone and Gina, it's like, okay, guys, how do we just raise the bar? Just let's just keep doing. What do you guys need? You know, how do I help you guys? And my, I'm all about serve first. You know, we're in a relationship. What do you need? How oh, yeah. can I help you? Right? And there's a lot of people in business that don't think like that. I, have you ever been to – oh, okay, I'm going to be total sidebar here. You ever go to a networking event? You walk in, somebody literally throws a card right in your face and goes, yeah, let's do business. And you're like, who yeah. are you? Oh, yeah. I don't even know. Can we say hi? Is it? No, they don't get it. And then they wonder why their business isn't doing well or they're not in business after a certain amount of time because they just they didn't get it. And I'm like, no, no, no. When I walk into a networking event, it's like, how you doing? What do you need? What can I help you with? Where are your struggles right now? What's your frustrations? And then once we understand that, then I do everything I can to help out. And I just, it keeps working for me. And I go, oh, my God, this is incredible. I, I, I used to think, what about me? What about me? What do I get? What do I get? And I didn't get anything. Now I don't think about what do I get. Now yeah. I go, how do I serve? How do I serve? How do I serve? Oh, that's Does that awesome. Uh, help well, you you're the... our kind of people <laughs> because that's what we that's what we teach our clients and students uh, all the time. It's really where everything starts with Directions University and and uh, you know uh, I wasn't really a master of that when I met Gina at uh, at all, and I'm not now. But she's taught me a lot over the years about. The difference between what you just said, I, when I when it was all for what can I get, I was successful. You know, I did some pretty big things uh, with that attitude, but uh, I've never been able to replicate it. As soon as I found my heart, <laughs> that damn heart, uh, I couldn't do it anymore. I didn't want. I didn't have any interest in it anymore. And I was floating yeah. around the web, so to speak, wondering what to do. I was lost. I didn't know. I knew that I couldn't do what I did before because I had no love for it. Uh, the momentum from it had, had died, so it was easy to just say, you know what, this is a great point to start looking around and going, what do I do? I have no idea. And then, you know, Gina interviewed me on her show a year previous, and then we had lost touch again, saying we should get in touch and, you know, do something. And it was a year after that that we came back together to work on a project and, uh, and then she started telling me, teaching me just through her actions about serving. And I'm like, this woman is giving too much. All my old instincts are kicking in. She, this person, whoever's on the other line, is going to be taking advantage of her. This is not going to work out well for her. I can't believe she's so successful acting like this with people who haven't paid her yet. And <laughs> she's just helping and helping and helping and connecting and and uh, and then I got a look at her bottom line and uh, and her business and became a partner and I was like oh I guess this does work although I didn't understand it in the beginning uh, it completely uh, and I'm learning new things about it all the time now it, it you can immediately start doing it whether you understand it or not just go help people it's really quite simple well, that's it <laughs> just exactly. go help well, but there's so there, many nuances and layers about it too. Yeah, and it's that I love the the Zig Ziglar quote, right? If you help enough people get what they want, you get what you want. 
and I got to tell you, I'm like you. I had the heels on. I went, yeah, sure, that doesn't work. No, what are you talking about? No, no, no. Wait, you know, what about me? That kind of thing. And until I went, fine, I'm just going to release it and let it go, and just thought, forget about what I need or want right now. Let me just go see how I can help and how I can serve. Because that's what I've been guided to do since I was a kid about just helping other people. So I thought, well, then just go live it. Literally make it the the full-blown, what do you get to you up in the morning and go do it? And I go, who can I serve? Who can I help today? And, man, every night I'm sitting in my journal. Uh, if you're not doing it, you want to be journaling. Just journal. Like, what are your successes today? You know, who, what are you grateful for? Who did you help or who did you make a difference for in your, in, in your world? And it could be as simple as I help somebody just put a smile on their face. Like, it doesn't have to be fancy stuff. It doesn't have to be like, oh, you know, I signed a million-dollar deal and now I'm okay. You know, that kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. It is kind of crazy. And we have, we have I think we attract people like you a lot, and, and we have these discussions a lot in different ways, different from different angles. But around the same principle of people who just, you could say on, from the negative perspective, people who hate to sell, sell in the first place and really wish oh. that it wasn't part of their business and then just decided, wait a minute, I don't have to sell. The giving part is where the selling stops. And it's the best sales tool in the world that I've ever discovered. It's really weird because it goes against everything that you've ever been taught about selling. And <laughs> it's true. Which is, it's you true. Know, Listen, but it, I hate selling. I hate selling with a passion. You have no idea. And people say to me, oh, you're such a good salesman. I go, I'm, I, don't, I don't like selling. Like, I don't want to don't sell. Don't call me that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How like, dare oh, you, no. sir? <laughs> exactly. But you know what's cool is when you can show someone who's struggling, who's in a position that is, let's say, less than where they want to be, right? So they've got, and they just, oh, and you can see what they need. And I, I've had a great foundation while I was coaching a team sport is you can watch athletes who are trying to do something, they're trying to achieve something, and they they just they're making the same mistake. And you walk over and you say, "Look, are you you know are you open to coaching?" I mean, this is like the simplest question. Are you open to coaching? And they're like, "Yeah, I go great. Do this. Try this right now. Just try this right now." And they look at you like, "Really? I don't know. I don't know." But then they try it, and then they go, "Oh my, I, I can do it." And you go, "I made the difference." Well, in this in the same same mindset, that is what business is. It's an exchange of value. So the value for someone might be I want to be able to do a task or do or learn a knowledge or something, and the other exchange is well here's the f- money for it. Like I've put I've put a value in you teaching me how to do let's say social media. So you say Kevin, look I'm going to help you do this because I see what you're trying to do, but you just need to do X instead of what you're doing now. And I go okay, wow that that's valuable because that just helps me in my business. Okay, so my exchange is here's money. Your exchange is here's the knowledge, wisdom, teaching, step-by-step process, whatever. But that's like for anything. Think of restaurants. My wife, you know my wife would not do advertising. You know what she would do? She had a restaurant for years and years. Her father had the first pizzeria in Quebec City in the 60s. Pizzeria. So think about this. 60s, people would spit it out and go, what's this food? It's crap. And in the 60s, 1967, there was Expo, World Fair in Montreal, and pizza was the food. And his restaurant went from zero to a million dollars within like a year. It was insane. Wow. Like, yeah, I know. It was like, what? People just got influenced and went, oh, it's pretty cool. But the reason I say this is she said, I don't go do advertising to come eat my food. She goes, I give them my food to taste it. And if they like it, then they're going to come buy it from me. And it was like, duh. 
Like, you know, taste the cookie. Before you buy the cookies, taste the cookie. Like, why Why would I go put a logo and a banner and a poster, and people don't even know what that is, but if I let them taste it, and she, in her case, she, was, she wanted the community restaurant, so it was like I wasn't trying to market to someone in Chicago when I'm in L.A. It's like It was like, no, no, I just want to take my community and really create a little fun restaurant for that. And I thought, that's really what it is. That's, that's what giving is, is here, let me help you. And if you like this, then you'll love what I can do when you pay me. Yeah. That makes sense. Like, and it, just, it, it, it rolls off your tongue, and it, it feels right. It's just got to be hitting everybody right now in the gut. The way it was, the, maybe the first time you heard it, if you hadn't heard it before, you can feel what Kevin just said in his gut, in your gut. Well, you can probably feel it in his gut, too, because he's very persuasive in that way <laughs> very excited <laughs> but in your gut you just there's truth out there you know a lot of people are like i don't know what my next move is what the thing is i don't know if anything's true i don't know if this guy knows what he's talking about or she knows what she's talking about i certainly know i don't know what's talking about i i i, I don't know how to feel you know a lot of people questioning all the time what's true and i'm like you know what there's That's more true. to a gut than holding pizza you know it's That's got right. some it's got some brain power there, you know, <laughs> and, and, yeah. and there is truth out there. And sometimes you hear it and you just know it as soon as you do, just like what you said. Well, it's funny you say that because one of the things, so from on my person, so my business is really simple. It's kind of like a, there's two ladders, if you will. One's a personal development to help people kind of that basically the 50 year old, just help them reinvent their dreams. And the, the professional side is help reinventing brands. And one of the things that I have found that, as we're having discussions with people, is they're always stuck with the, I don't know, you know, you just said earlier, like, you kind of, like, they're hesitant, I don't know what to believe, I don't know Mm -hmm. what's true, and in my book, How to Reinvent Midlife Dreams, I talk about this one element that's in us, and that is your gut, and you've got to trust your gut, and if you're not, and if you're saying, well, I don't know, I don't know, I've never tapped into it, that's not for me, my wife is like that, by the way, she's very logical thinking, you know, than the brain, but when she gets that little voice, and We've been together 20 years this year, and she's taught me. When you follow your gut, everything rocks. When you don't follow your gut, your gut says do A, and you don't follow it, then here's what happens. You walk around with regret because you kick yourself, and nobody can beat you up more than you because you'll be like, man, I knew it, and I never followed it. I can't believe it. Oh, man, I was so mad at myself. But if you follow it and it's wrong, here's what happens. You go, eh, oh, well. (laughs) You don't care. You go, yeah, my gut said this, it didn't work, and, you know, uh, you know, I followed it, and it wasn't the right thing, and you go, ah, oh, whatever, because you followed your gut, but if you don't follow your gut, you walk with regret, and you go, I can't believe I didn't listen, oh, and then you get mad at yourself, or frustrated, or whatever emotion comes up for you, and so just following your intuition is a huge, huge benefactor of, of a life skill slash lesson in, in the world, like, you just, it's like, you got to do it. I, I tell everybody, just start listening to your intuition and gut. And if you don't know it and you go, I don't know if it is or not, you will. Because it won't be in your head trying to go, well, is it this? Is it this? That's not your gut. Your gut does this. Turn mm. now. Yep. Okay? Do this now. Go here now. And you go, what? That's kind of weird. What? What? Okay. And you do it. Well, when you talk about your wife, I was getting ready to bring up the fact that people who live in their minds predominantly have the hardest time with this. And, when, and, and that's not people, that's not like type A and type B. I think everybody has the, the tendency, if they're not being mindful, uh, to be too much in their heads. 
and, and then there's no gut. Because the head's in charge, it wants to stay in charge. That's what the mind was developed to do throughout human history is solve problems, and it wants to be the big problem solver. And what's that heart got to do with it? What's that gut to do with it? Well, every time you hear that in your head, that is your mind telling you that. The mind is trying right. to keep its job. So, that's yeah, right. that's what that yeah, brought up when you, when you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah exactly. right. Exactly. And the mind is I, I love everything. Saying, so there's a lot of safety issues going on around here because the mind is scared of just literally anything that has to do with, like, change. I mean, from night to day sometimes is scary for the mind, and it makes up reasons why you should just sleep through it. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's about, you know, the brain, the brain is an inch, very interesting and I know very complex, but it's about protecting you. Right, it's about this survival thing, and survival is, you know, if things are scary or you know fearful for you. Oh no, we're not doing that. Why? Because that's just nah, not the right thing. Regardless, if your gut saying go do it, right? And and there was um, one of my. Go ahead. I was going to tell a funny. Story. I was going to go say what's, what's hilarious about that is we're using this thing that's been evolved over hundreds of thousands of years to run away from bears and tigers, and go get food. And, uh, and only recently it was to go plant crops. And then five seconds later on geologic time, on human evolution time, we're using that same monkey brain that's all fight or flight and hardly anything else to try to figure out what we should do in the boardroom, to try to figure out what we should do in a business situation or with the guy who's talking too much to the person at the counter at Starbucks and whether or not we want to strangle him and get – you know, out of here because we're late for a meeting. I mean, that brain in this situation doesn't work real well. I mean, all it wants right. to do is use a club and a hammer where nuance would be a much better thing. And I think that's why meditation and yoga and everything else is such a booming industry right now because we are in the middle of a human evolution of the brain and trying to get it to stop fighting everything like it's a tiger trying to kill you. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that. So there's a couple of things that have happened to me over the years, and it's, you know, we I'm sure you've heard about chakras, right? Like clear of the chakras in the body. Yeah. There's, okay, so I didn't know this until someone kind of sat explaining to me, and this is where I'm going to kind of two messages. One is you got to get people that can help you. In other words, mentors. Get someone that can really support you and work with you. So one of my mentors says to me, he goes, do you understand the chakra system, right? I go, yeah, yeah, seven, you know, root all the way to the top of the head. He goes, but do you understand it's like half of the body? And I go, what are you talking about? Well, the bottom half is the core things of food, shelter, clothing, Maslow's theory, where he's, you know, basic needs of a human being. Right, so the root chakra, you know, whether it's uh, re- reproduction, eating, fighting for survival, that's kind of the bottom half of the of the chakras. I'm like, okay. He goes the upper. He goes, that's more spiritual. That's more uplifting. It's into the heart. It's into the throat. It's into the head. I'm like, oh my god. He goes, when you start getting higher and higher, and this is why it rises, not goes down, but rises. He goes, you become more spiritual and you become more uh, enlightened, if you will. And he goes, think of the world of what's happening. And I think there's more and more today of enlightenment than there's ever been and I think we're on this massive movement which is funny because one of my clients that I just started working with last week is all about soul movement and they're about this spiritual healing and they've been doing events for the last year and a half and I'm like oh my god and I'm just watching and I listen to people that's what people are looking for they're yearning they want this inner fulfillment you know right in the heart Um, here's a fun exercise Jack if you were to take your pointer finger and point it anywhere from your head to toe and say, this is where Jack resides in this physical body. 
just go ahead and then tell me where your finger pointed to. Where does Jack I know where I wanted to point to, to, but I'm going to be really honest and tell you where it is pointing. <laughs> go ahead. Tell me, tell me where it is. Okay. It's my and, head. But, right. Here's, and, and that's fine. I will tell you, you're in the small percentage. Most people point right to their heart and go, I'm right here. And the reason they're in their heart, because that is the most purest form of who you are. Because when the heart stops, you die. And so right. as, as great as the brain is, intellectually and powerfully, it's awesome. If there's no heart, is going to have a hard time to try and keep the body going. And the heart's got its own energy, and we can get into that whole scientific thing, but I don't want to. The reason I'm showing that exercise is when I tell people, (laughs) I go, how does that feel? Everybody points to their chest or puts a, a pound on their chest, or they kind of touch their heart, or they put their hand on their heart, and they go, oh, and all of a sudden, they're feeling, totally feeling them. They're like, oh, my God, this Mm -hmm. is who I am. And they put their hand on their heart, and they go, interesting. This is where your best decisions and your best living reside. And when you trust it and you work with it and you feel it, you will make decisions that will blow your mind. If you're, you know, if you're totally, if you're in a, (laughs) right, no matter what you're doing in business, no matter what you're doing, put your hand on there and say, who are you? What are you about? What do you want to do? Your heart's got answers. Do this. Take this step right now. Do this. And you'd be like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. I did a. I had a guy do a guided meditation that was only 15, 20 minutes long, um, and I was kind of in a resistant state. I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't being all woo-woo, I can't wait, yeah, let's do this. I was like, yeah, whatever. I don't know you, and a lot of guided meditations <laughs> suck, and, you know, yep. this is probably going to be one of those. But anyway, I'll play along. He had us touch two fingers, index and middle finger, touch our hearts, and had us with just three or four words connect with it so hard that I started bawling. And I'm like, I'm sitting here on the third person looking at myself going, what the hell is wrong with you, dude? What are you doing? And, right. and observing yeah. the whole thing. And then the, the being in it, I'm like, wow, he told me to just use my heart the way it was designed to be and let out and bring up all that love and showed me how powerful the heart really is. It mine, you know, I was just freaking out. I was watching myself from all kinds of angles, <laughs> and, and I was living it, and I'm like, wow, okay, this stuff, the heart is powerful. I'll just tell you that because I've never pointed to my brain and had the same experience. That's right. That's exactly right. You get the intellectual answers, brain, no problem, that's great, but your heart says this is where you're guided from. This is the purest form of who you are. And, you know, it's funny, but if you do a – uh, the two, the big thing now about the uh, hand signs, you put your hands together and you can actually form the heart, right? And you go, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I heart you and all that. And you go, and I go, why is that? Why? Because it's so important for human beings. We are designed from that point. It's the first thing that's created when we as a human being are created is the heart. It's like, oh, wait a second, this is kind of weird. Well, that's the that's where the pumping, that's where the blood, that's the life, you know, the lifeness of who we are. And so I know we're like, it's like airy, scary. I mean, if if you talk to people, I'll call it on typical in Toronto Bay Street, you know, Wall Street in New York, you go to them, and they're like, oh, man, this is how we got to do things. And I go, great. And I go, who's the business guy or business girl that people look up to and go, wow, look at what they're like? Do you ever notice that there are people that are hugely heart-centered? I mean, that's the thing mm-hmm. that drives me. When people go, no, it can't be. Really? Oprah's pretty heart-centered. 
You know, Richard Branson's pretty heart-centered. I mean, I know I have yeah. like direct friends that are that know them, that talk to them, and do it. It's like these are heart-centered, heart-filled people, and yet they are pretty successful. They're doing something right. And you think it's fluke? It's not a fluke. It's what they do and where they stem and the decisions they make and what they go after. And if we all, every one of us in the world, for one day, said, let's do something for somebody else first, do you, I, I swear to you, this this world would be unbelievable. Like, it would it would just, I think it would rupture. Because there's so much love going on at one time. And there's, some, there's this thing in the back of my head that says, create a day that everybody has to do something for somebody. It just becomes this one day we all have to do something. I know there's Mother's Day and Father's Day and Christmas. and all, Those are nice. But what about a day just of being human? You know, celebrate human beings, right? And go, Jack, what do you need today? I'm here for you. Right. It just Man, like, I bet oh, your I bet your wife gets lots of weird surprises on days she's not expecting it, huh? Yeah. Yeah, she does. You know, it's funny <laughs> if you were to talk to her. The one thing about our relationship, and this is a, a cool, cool philosophy. She helped. She and I kind of created this together, and that is a relationship is like a well. So if you think of a well as you know, there's always water in it, right? Our job is not to take water from the well, but to bring to the well, so that when we need it, it's there. And we always have it full. So our job is, what do I bring to the relationship? How do I make it better? How do I make this year better than last year? And I'm going to tell you something. A one-year trip across Canada, man, are our thinking caps on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? So, But this is what we do together. And are there ups and down days? Absolutely. But we have a heck of a lot more up days, I'll tell you right now, than our down days. Our down days are very far and few between because it's like, how do I – you know, how do I bring more to the, the relationship? And it's not about buying stuff. Like, that's the other thing. And that's what the, tr- oh, by the way, 2,200 square foot house to 120 square foot motorhome. That's what, that's what our trip was. So it wasn't about stuff. And it was about bringing you something better be a, to You better have some good coping and, and relationship skills in those situations. Because <laughs> you're going to you need go. them, right? There you go. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, well, Kevin, thank you so much. We've, we've run out of What's that? We've got to get a link. Where can people find him? <laughs> yes, you can uh, find Kevin at KevinHun.com. Yeah, it's H-U-H-N. Exactly, and it's uh, Hewn, but that's okay. Hewn, I'm sorry. I was I'm sorry. Don't apologize. So. It's all good. It's <laughs> a four-letter word, and U is a second letter, so you have to be really careful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> KevinHewn.com, H-U-H-N. Dot com. Go. I mean, you guys got a great taste of of what this guy's about, and and obviously what he could do to help you if you're in need, if you're in his demographic. Uh, so please do check Kevin out. And Kevin, thank you so much for being on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. And uh, Popeye, uh, a big shout out to uh, Popeye. How's that? I love <laughs> And he looked up just as you said that. Thank you so much, Kevin. And we'll be back. Appreciate same it. Time, same place. Next week with another awesome episode of Leverage Masters. Have a great week, everybody. Tune in next week for another episode of (coughs) Leverage Masters. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook on our Leverage Blackbook page to keep up with the latest. We'll see you next time on Leverage Masters.